Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Once again, we're talking about fasting and praise, and we're going to give you just a review of some of the things, a few things that we said last week before we concluded the message. And number one is praise vitally connects us to God. Praise vitally connects us to God. In the book of Psalms 22 and verse 3, we are told, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of his people. What connects them? His praise. He inhabits, he lives in, he dwells in the praises of his people so that when the people of God praise him from the heart, and praise is not just singing a song. You could be here tonight singing a song like we just sang, and your mind could be a thousand miles away. You realize that? Thinking about other things, your heart's not in it. You're just saying the words. Or you can allow yourself to really think of the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and allow that to rise up within your heart. And truly from a heart that loves God, praise Him. Remember this, it's our duty. If we don't do it, He said then, what? The rocks and stones will cry out? What does that mean? The creation will cry out. If we don't do it, if the humans don't do it, the creation will cry out and praise Him. And so He he wants us to praise Him. Well, look at the next thing. It connects us. It vitally connects Him to us. This verse, Psalm 50, verse 23, Whoso offers praise glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversation right will I show, demonstrate, or make known the salvation of God. Now he's connected to us. Vitally connected to us. As we praise Him with joyful lips, we create a habitation, We connect ourselves to Him, and He pours Himself out to us, and He will show us what? His salvation means His saving strength. He will show us His saving strength. No wonder praise is the highest expression of our faith in God and toward God. And then thirdly, we said that praise brings increase and blessings into the lives of God's people. Look at Psalm 67, verses 5 and 6, or 5 through 7. Let the people praise Thee, O God. Let all the people praise Thee. And once again, we're not talking about just singing some songs. We're talking about from the depth of the soul that really makes connection with God. Praise Him for who He is, all that He's done. And then shall the earth yield her increase. And then God, even our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. So when we give ourselves over to truly learning how to properly praise God from the depth of our soul, and remember, it's a faith issue. It's not just mentally assenting to it. Yes, I know God did great things for me. It's from the heart really seeing it to it absolutely sometimes will drop you on your knees. What great things He has done for us. What a good God He is. What a wonderful Savior we serve and Redeemer. And as we continue our study... This is going to come from the book of Psalms. And we're going to tie some things into here. The book of Psalms, 107th Psalm. A powerful psalm that we're going to just uh, quickly go over here. uh, Verse by verse for the first so many verses. Anyhow, look at verse number one. Verse number one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. 
So how do we begin this psalm? We are instructed by the psalmist to give thanks to the Lord for the fact that He is good and merciful. And what that means is His mercy flows from the fountain of His goodness. His mercy flows from the fountain of His goodness. See, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. When we talk about how good God is and really focus on how good God is, we can tap into His mercy. It'll flow out into our lives. And so He's telling us, He's instructing us, give thanks to the Lord because He's good and His mercies are from everlasting to everlasting. When we get up in the morning, His mercies are renewed every morning. And aren't you glad that they are? That means there's no reason for us to live under guilt or condemnation or anything of that nature because every single morning when we get up, His mercies meet us with a kiss. Thank God for His mercies that endure forever. Matter of fact, look at Second Chronicles chapter 5 because you, I want you to see how His goodness flows. His power flows. His mercy flows out of His goodness. Here, you know the, the verses here. Solomon is building the temple. The temple is completed. And now the praisers and the worshipers are coming in. And what they're going to do is they're going to worship God. But in these, this verse, verse 13, it came to, even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music saying, and praise the Lord saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Notice this. What did the psalm say in 107? He is good. Let the redeemed the Lord say he is good and his mercy endures forever. Can you say that with me tonight? Lord, you are good. And your mercies endure forever. Mm, he longs to hear that. He loves to hear that from his people. But notice this. Notice this. That when that happened, that even the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord. So the glory of God manifested among them so that they couldn't even stand and minister for by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine coming up with a tune with a song? So simple is that, for the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever, that gives place to what? His manifested presence. And I'll be honest with you, in this year, this coming year, this, this year of 2018, it is my longing desire to have within our midst a greater manifestation of the presence, the power, and the glory of the living God, the creator of the heavens and earth, and see in all that in them is. Is that your heart, heart's desire? Is that the longing of your soul? Then we have to learn to be a praising people. And I mean, once again, from the heart. There's different ways we can express that, but it's got to come out of the depth of our souls that we truly, truly offer up to Him the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. So the fruit means it's ripened. See, it comes out of here, the depth of our soul, and we praise Him with all of our mind. And what does He do? He inhabits it. And when He inhabits it, what happens? The glory fills the temple. The cloud fills the house where the people are together. Then look at chapter 20 of Second Chronicles as well. And notice here, this is Jehoshaphat. And when they were being attacked by three armies. And they got their instructions from the Lord as to what to do. And here's what happens. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And to say, praise the Lord. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, what happened? The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, 
which were coming against Judah, and they were smitten. Notice, as they praised the Lord from the depth of their souls, he manifested his presence and power that confounded the enemy and brought victory to the people of God. Who wouldn't want that? I believe we all would want that. But what was it the result of? Learning how to truly praise God from the heart. Which is what they did. So God truly does inhabit the praises of his people. And that's why we've been instructed as the redeemed to give thanks to the Lord for his good and his mercies endure forever. Simple song, wouldn't you say? Look at the next verse, verse 2. Here. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say what? The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed us from the hand of our enemy. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Thank God the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Thank God we've been bought back by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The enemy has no right to put his hands on any one of us whatsoever. We've been bought back by the blood of Jesus. And we're supposed to say in response to that, the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord with me. Thank you, Lord. Your mercies endure forever. You are good. And flowing out from your goodness, the fountain of your goodness, is mercy for each and every one. Thank God for his mercies. Number three, look at verse three. Here. And gather them out of the lands. Now notice this. From the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. It's like a compass, every direction. East and west and north and south. From the east, there were... There were those that were wanderers in the, in, in the wilderness. They were wanderers, wandering through life. In the West, they were prisoners. And they were captive in chains. And they were set free. We're not going to read all the verses here, but I just want you to see the, the, the East and West and North and South. They were prisoners. So, they were wanderers in the East. They were prisoners in the West. In the north, they were sick ones. The sickly. It talks about those that were sickly. And the verses are there. You can look them up for yourself at another time. We're going to go over some of those verses. But the sickly ones were coming out of the north. And from what we understand in Scripture, when it refers to the north, it's referring to judgment that comes from above on people that are in rebellion against God. If you recall the time when the snakes, the serpents appeared, and they uh, had to look up. And see the serpent on the pole to get delivered and set free? Well, those serpents came among them as an act of judgment because they were rebelling against God. And so out of the north, it's talking about judgment, the hand of God's judgment falling upon people for their rebellion and disobedience that opened up the door to, to this evil that took place in their lives. And finally, you've got the south, and those are the sailors. In the south, you've got the sailors that are sailing along through life. But then there's a storm that's taking place, that's brewing. And they're on the troubled waters of human life. And so he talks about these people with these conditions. And what's he going to do? He's going to save them. To call the redeemed from every four corners of the world. And he tells them, praise me. And I'm going to show you now. Look at the format. Exactly how it took place. 
The format is usually the, is actually the same in every one of these situations. Same format was used. It explains the same thing. So look at number one. First of all, it's a description of the distress takes place, first of all. So look at verses four and five. And this is the east. In the east, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. These are the ones he redeemed. And you can say that these are real-life events or it could be uh, metaphorically speaking and that sort of thing. But nevertheless, it's referring to this group of people. It's a group of people from the east that were redeemed and they were wandering, floundering through life in a desert place. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were destitute. They had nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. But he redeemed them. And as he did, of course, they are to give thanks unto him for what he did for them. Number two. The second thing that they did, or love, before we do that, look at 10, 10 verses 10 and 12. Let's look at the West first. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. So here's their distress, a description of their distress. So the first group in the east are wandering in the desert. This group here, they are bound in chains and no one to help. They're prisoners that need to be delivered and set free. Then the next group in the north, they're sickly. Let's move to the next one. Look at the verses 17 and 18. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhors all manner of meat and they draw near to the gates of death. So it's an act of judgment because of their foolishness and because of their transgression. They open up the door to evil in their lives, sicknesses and diseases in their lives. And as a result, they find themselves in this situation. Now, the next one is a group of sailors. Look at the next. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man, and they're at their wit's end. So now we have the description of the distresses that each and every one of these encountered in their lives. Not a pleasant sight, is it? When you think about what they're going through, but... Notice the east, the west, the north, and the south are all experiencing distresses as outlined here in Scripture in this psalm. But then, secondly, the distresses are outlined, but then there's a cry out to God for help. A cry out to God for help. So let's look at the east. The first group is those in the east. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. So the distress was revealed, and now they cry out to God in their trouble. And what happens is God delivers them. So he redeems them. He sets them free. All right, look at the next group in the West. Same thing, verse uh, 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Look at the next group, the group in the North. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Look at the last group, the sailors. Then cried they to the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. You think he wants to drive that point home? So no matter how difficult the situation was, no matter where you were, the east and west or north or south, it didn't matter. 
they cried out unto the Lord in the middle of their distress, what they were going through, the difficult time, the challenging place in their lives. And what happens? He re actually redeems them. He delivers them. He sets them free. He frees them from their distresses. Then the third thing. The third thing is their deliverance is explained. So let's look at the first group. He explains their deliverance. In the first group in the east, he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Think about that. Here they are wandering around. They have nothing to eat, nothing to drink, nowhere to go. They have no idea where they should go. They crowd to the Lord in their trouble. What does he do? He leads them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. So in other words, they, try to, they could try to navigate through life on their own if they want to, but they're going to flounder and flounder and wander and wander and walk around and walk around. If you think about it, it's like the Israelites out in the wilderness just wandering and wandering and never getting anywhere. But here, he shows them the right way to go. Look at the next group in the West. He brought them out of the darkness, out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Now, here they are chained in darkness, but yet he sets them free. They're bound, but he liberates them. He delivers them. Why? Because they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he breaks their bands in sunder. Look at the next group from the north. He sent his word, these are the sickly ones, and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Pretty good track record so far, wouldn't you say? Each group that's crying out, each people group that's crying out from the east and the west and the north, crying out to God in their distress. And what happens? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And then the final group, the sailors, the group of sailors, he makes the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. So once again, we have another group. They're in trouble. Their ship's in danger. They might die in the storm, but he brings a calm, a peace to the sea. And everybody's safe. Why? Because he's good. And outflowing from his goodness, this fountain of goodness, is his mercies that deliver and set free. And finally, the fourth thing is the exhortation for God's people to do what? Give thanks. That's all he's asking for. Notice the scriptures in the East. All he's asking is for this. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Yes, he led them to a place where they could go of habitation. He provided for their sustenance physically. And what is he asking? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for this goodness that he displayed and do what? For his wonderful works and praise Him and thank Him because He met the need. Whatever the need was, He met that need. Look at the next group. Look at the group from the West. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Now they were bound in chains and fetters of iron, but He set them free and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He had broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for this goodness. That's all He's asking for. Think about it. Just praise me for the goodness that I've displayed and showed you. Look at the next group out of the north. These are the sickly ones. He sent his word to heal them and deliver them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works. 
with rejoicing. Okay, let's look at the last one. These are the sailors. He delivered them from the sea and brought a calm. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So now, put this all together. He's calling all these people the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What? That he is good and his mercies endure forever. Then he goes and he gives us an understanding of what he did to demonstrate his goodness and his mercy. He delivered them in the, in the east as they were wandering in the wilderness. He set them free in the west from their chains of darkness and bondage. He healed those that had sickness or disease in their bodies that were at the gates of death, we are told. And he caused the sailors to have a peaceful ride. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south, and say he is good and his mercies endure forever. Because if they will, he will inhabit those praises, live big in those praises, and show himself strong on their behalf. Now the application, how does that apply to my life? Now, whether or not these are real-life events or just metaphoric, you know, examples, it doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is this, that God is a delivering God. God is a good God. God is a merciful God. God is a mighty God. Our Heavenly Father is a loving, caring Heavenly Father who takes responsibility for those that He brought into his realm with him as sons and daughters. And we are his sons and daughters. And all he's looking for is for his people to gather together as the redeemed of the Lord from the east, west, north, and south and lift up their voice with gratitude and thanksgiving so he can inhabit those praises. Listen, if he inhabits the praises of his people, what does he do at the complaining and murmuring of his people? Think about it. He said, I can't inhabit that. I can't live in that. I can't manifest myself in that. But if people will begin to see my goodness and my mercy and my grace, if they'll see my mighty works and my mighty hand, if they'll understand my loving, caring heart and just pour themselves out with praise and adoration and truly come together from every corner of the world and just praise my name, I will show myself strong. You know what? We were all wanderers. We were all prisoners. We're all exposed to sickness and disease. And we're all sailing through life, every one of us. And there's going to be some rough waters along the way. We were all bound in chains of darkness by the enemy, were we not? But someone by his precious blood redeemed us and set us free. And all he wants us to do is to what? With enthusiasm and excitement from the depth of our soul, express this gratitude to Him like we really mean it, like we know it. He wants us to bless His name. He wants us to exalt Him on high. I believe He wants to show up more than we want Him to show up. I believe He wants to enter in more than we want Him to enter in. Whether it's in our individual lives, our homes, with our families, or right here in our assembly believers, I'll tell you what. Think about it. This is better than a 
victory at a football game. This is the battle of life. And guess what? We win. I've read the back of the book. We win. We can't lose. And if we want to enjoy the victory now, all we have to do is offer the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. So it also enlightens us how to handle difficult situations. And how do we do that? When we find ourselves in distresses, how do we do that? Well, just recognize whatever it is that you're going through. Cry out to God. Receive His deliverance. And then what? Shout the praises of God. Hallelujah. It shows us just exactly what they did. We can do the same thing that they did and cry out to Him. We should expect the same thing. The same results that they got. Amen. And finally, we are the redeemed of the Lord now. Who He redeemed from the hand of the enemy. No, He didn't bring us out of Egypt. Mm -mm. He didn't deliver us from Babylon. He delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. He delivered us from Satan's powers. He raised us up and he put us in his kingdom of love. And all he's asking for is the acknowledgement of that with gratitude and appreciation that comes from a heart of love and thanksgiving. So you know what we're going to do right now? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say what? The Lord is good. And his mercies endure forever. See, the song that was made up says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. It does not, it's not saying to say I'm redeemed. It's saying to say, the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his mercies endure forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What? That the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. So gather around this altar with me and bring your praise belly with you. And we're going to say the Lord is good. And His mercy endures how long? Forever. And you know what? The old timers used to say, I'm just going to sing to the glory falls. I'm going to shout to the glory falls. Again, I love all of you. And I, I'm, I'm, thank God that, that we're here. But I actually came to see Jesus tonight. Who'd you come to see? 